Welcome back to Shaped by the Word, day 110. I'm David Keefe with Matt Kresge and Katie Kresge, and we're starting a new book today. Yeah. As we do every Friday, <laughs> as Paul likes to say, we start a new book and then just leave it hanging for a couple of days. Yeah. And so um, we are excited that we are going to begin 1 Corinthians. And, uh, and this is a book I think many of us have read through numerous times. Um, really cool book, lots of topics discussed. Um, and so we're going to dive into a bunch of those as we make our way through this letter. I'll give you a little background on um, Corinth. Um, Corinth was a pretty big city, really big town, um, kind of a port town. So there's lots of people moving in and out, lots of temples to many Greek and Roman gods, a very busy place, a very eclectic place. Um, this church that Paul is writing to is a fairly young church. Um, Paul was there for probably about seems to be like a year and a half kind of preaching the gospel with these folks. And then he had to leave and now he's, he's writing them again. You can kind of get a little snapshot of his time in Corinth if you go back to Acts chapter 18. And as Paul leaves, he begins hearing reports of things going on in the church. And as we'll see, there were some pretty wild <laughs> things going on in the church. Um, and so he's hearing these reports and he's hearing about a lot of issues. He's hearing about a lot of problems. Um, there's divisions, there's things going on sexually, um, there's issues with, with, with food offered to idols, there's issues with their gathering when they come together, it's very chaotic, and then there's issues about the resurrection. And so we see there's a lot of things going on, Paul's going to address them, and one of the things that Paul does really well, and, and as he addresses all these issues, all these topics, is each time he responds to the problem, he responds to it with the gospel. And that's a fantastic thing we'll see as we consist, as we make our way through this letter, that as these issues pop up, Paul is addressing them. He's addressing them with the gospel. And that's one of the main things that we see in this letter and one of the main things that we should take away as we read 1 Corinthians is that whatever issues are popping up, whatever um, things we're going through, that the gospel speaks to them and the gospel addresses them. And so we'll see that happening over and over again in the letter of 1 Corinthians. And so before we dive in, um, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Matt, you mind starting us? Yeah. Father, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful for um, this time together. We think we're thankful that you are a good God, a God who cares deeply um, for his people. And so, Father, as we turn to your word and as we dive in, God, would you give us wisdom? Uh, thank you for the reminder in scripture that as we draw near to, to you, you draw near to us. And, and we pray just that, that, Father, you would um, draw near to us as we set our eyes and our hearts on you. Help us to see Jesus. Thank you for the reminder of, um, of just how um, incredible our salvation is as we read 1 Corinthians. Um, God, give us hope. Give us wisdom. Give us grace. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's begin chapter one. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from, our God, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God because of, for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been in, enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. 
Therefore, do not, therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no division among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's house have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I, found, what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos, another, I follow Cephas, still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except for Crispus and Gaius, so none of you can say you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanos. Beyond that, I do not remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God and the for since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many were influential, not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So a fantastic opening to 1 Corinthians. Um, we see his typical opening of thanksgiving and praise, and then he begins getting into some of the issues going on, namely some division um, among them, a little bit of a, maybe a little celebrity pastor thing going on, you know, I follow this guy, this is my guy. And then Paul goes, no, no, no. And he begins addressing that. And then we've been seeing as well, just kind of the, how the gospel to many people is foolish mm -hmm. but we see that's kind of how god has operated throughout history right and he goes we're going to look at some of you who you were when you were chosen when you were called and mm -hmm. so we get to see kind of just a little glimpse kind of behind the scenes to god's kind of wonderful plan of redemption and so as we're looking at first corinthians 1 
what grabs you guys? What stands out? The you know the introduction or the greeting definitely stands out to me because we've mentioned this in other letters, you know, the beginning of other letters uh, on this podcast. But Paul's going to write to them, say that to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be His holy people. And as we read this letter, we're going to think, are they really sanctified in Christ Jesus? Are they really called to be God's holy people? And I think that tension of just kind of letting that live, that God has sanctified us. He's declared us holy. You know, he's made us his own. And yet there's a sense in which we're not there mm-hmm. yet. You know, we pro- we progress in our sanctification, as it, as it were. Um, yeah, just I, I love what Paul is, is doing here as he writes him, says, this is your identity. God has saved you. He is you are sanctified in Christ Jesus, and yet, you know, now he's going to have to instruct them on what it actually means yeah. to live as the sanctified people of God, to be sanctified. Yeah, and isn't that great, though? Like, that that's the beauty of the gospel is it finds us in our mess, and absolutely, First Corinthians was a bit of a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, the church in Corinth, we as well are a huge mess. Mm-hmm. And yet, in God's grace, he's given us those names, right? Positionally, he, he has called us. He, we, are, we are sanctified and we are holy, even though he's continuing to do that work of sanctifying us and making us mm-hmm. holy. Mm-hmm. And it's actually when we begin to realize that, that actually begins to kind of motivate and, and encourage us to want to be more sanctified and to want to pursue holiness, mm-hmm. it is to grow into what we already are in Christ Jesus. And that's a beautiful way to look at the Christian life. Yeah, and it's so good to... If, if I were uh, um, someone receiving this letter, a part of this church, t- for him to open in this way that reminds us of um, reminds us of our place, reminds us that that God has given us and covered us with grace, um, and that these spiritual gifts that that we have received from Him are uh, they're going to sustain us to the end and. Um, like verse eight, he will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's faithful. There's a lot of similar um, things that what we read to second Thessalonians as well. He will keep us firm. Um, And so I think just as someone who's about to receive some hard things from Paul, um, being reminded of um, my place in God's story and, and the fact that I've received so much grace from him. Absolutely. Um, and my value is not in how well I've done up to this point, but my value is in the identity that he's given me and that he, like you said, um, will continue to sanctify um, as we work through these yucky things. But that's just so good. And I love how he just points them back to God. Like, so you kind of read like, okay, I am sanctified. I am holy. Well, well how's that true? Yeah. Like how, how's that going to mm-hmm. happen? Well, if you look at verses four through nine, there's several things that he alludes to that make those promises true. God has given his grace to you. He's enriched you in every way. Verse eight, he will keep you firm to the end. And verse nine, he's faithful. Mm-hmm. And so if you are doubting these things to be true, mm-hmm. go look at verses four through nine. Go look at the, the character and the heart and the faithfulness of our God and be reminded that, no, these things will happen. These things have happened. These things are true mm-hmm. because of who he is. He's enriched us. He's given us his grace. He'll keep us firm. He's faithful. Mm-hmm. You, you got to love the way he responds to the division of the church leaders, right? He, you kind of mentioned celebrity pastor. You know, who's my pastor? Who's my guy? Yeah, but he, he essentially calls him to be perfectly united in mind and thought and, and around the person of Jesus, you know, around this message of the gospel that he's proclaimed to them. He was, is Christ divided? 
You know, mm-hmm. is there something that we should be dividing over here? Is he divided? And he says, no, rather, in fact, like I didn't even, if you want to divide around me, I didn't even come with elegant speech. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. try to rob the gospel of its power. Instead, I just simply preached Christ crucified, mm-hmm. you know, and that is God's power and wisdom. And so I think just being reminded there, there's so many things that can pull at us and seek to divide us. But it's the, the message of the gospel that unites us, um, and it has to be the thing that, that we are united in and around. Yeah, would that be true of us today? I mean, so many believers, so many um, churches that, um, that believe the same gospel but are divided on so many issues, um, it's heartbreaking. It, it really is. And, and I'm sure that it breaks the heart of God, you know, to see his people— um, who are dividing over over issues and of course a lot of these issues are important things to talk about mm-hmm. um but but it's so easy to um lose sight of who the real enemy is and when believers are seeing other believers as enemies and we're dividing over things like what he talks about um it's it's so sad and so always remember who who brought us together who continues to bring us together and of course i love I always chuckle at what he's talk what he says about baptism. So, like <laughs> I think what is it? Um oh verse sixteen. Verse sixteen. Yes, I also baptize the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't really remember if I baptize anyone else. It's like see his humanity there, I guess. Yeah, no, he's been in a lot of churches, been in a lot of places. He's like, I didn't baptize anyone. Well, except for these guys. Well, maybe and, I did. you know, it was that one household. Like, <laughs> But I mean, besides that, I don't think maybe there was more. That's not the point. Yeah. But no, I mean, our man, when the church divides mm-hmm. man, and the world watches that, um, you know, that, that's why that the beautiful kind of illustration we get of when Paul in Ephesians five talking about, you know, Christ and, and the church and how marriage mm-hmm. displays that, right? Marriage is that, that unity, that, that call of I am with you regardless, no matter what. And that's how Christ is to us. And that's how marriage can, can model that to the world and put that on display. Man, as a church, when, when we divide and separate, especially over such silly, silly things, mm-hmm. um, we're letting the, we're, we're not giving the accurate picture to the world of, of Christ who, who is with us, who is faithful, who will never leave us. And so, yeah, our our, our unity is important and, and our division can cause a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we don't press into being unified on the person and work of Christ mm-hmm. and letting that be our foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If our unity is important, right, our message is also important to Paul. And and he, he essentially says, you know, where's the wise person? You know, did, yeah. did not God choose some of you who were you know, foolish or, you know, what did you say? I think not many were of noble birth. I wasn't. There wasn't very sure. many, there wasn't very many of you that were important. Mm-hmm. And yet God saw fit to choose you and to, you know, to save you and to sanctify you. And, and I love, he says, you know, and, we, and God did this and this message we received, including myself, you know, we, we don't, we don't boast in ourselves. He did this so that we may boast in him. And he quotes that Jeremiah, you know, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Yep. You know, we boast in the Lord because we have been saved, not of anything that we have done or because we deserve it or because we were of noble birth or, you know, influential or wise by human standards. But in fact, we found ourselves outside of all those things and God brought us in through a message, yeah. you know, that is, seems so foolish. And yet at the same time, it's the power of God. I remember this illustration from, from John Piper a long time ago. He just kind of talking about the, the irony of of prideful Christians, mm-hmm. you know, and how we can get so puffed up. And as 
Paul will call us to, to boast in the Lord. Oftentimes we boast in ourselves and, you know, he, he just had this pretty vivid illustration of, you know, what the gospel comes and does is it, it lovingly flattens you like a, like by hitting you like a Mack truck, mm-hmm. you know, and just the sense of like, it, it, it humbles you. Yeah. It brings you low. Um, and it's actually when we are brought low in, in the best of ways, when the gospel humbles us to see who we truly were before Christ, to see the grace we've been given, the, the compassion, the forgiveness we've been given in Christ, it should humble us. And it's in that humility that I think we'll find much less division, mm-hmm. much more unity. Um, when we come to terms with, with who we really are, what Christ has really done for us graciously, um, that, that's a good starting place for the church of God. Yeah. yeah. Jeremiah um, 8, chapter 8, verse 9 really speaks to this um, so similarly. It says, The wise will be put to shame. They will be dismayed and trapped since they have rejected the word of the Lord. What kind of wisdom do they have? And, and it talks about it before mm-hmm. verse 9 too. But um, man, it, what you said reminds me of one of my favorite songs and the chorus. It's a song by Bethany Bernard. And the chorus says, the higher I go in knowing you, Lord, the lower I fall at your feet or the lower I bow at your mm-hmm. feet. And um, shouldn't that be true of every one of us that the more we know him, that's not filling us with things to boast about for ourselves, but it's it's filling us with things to boast about for him um, and lowering and, and um, bringing us to humility um, because we have literally nothing to offer but filthy rags and he is just so beautiful and we see all throughout scripture throughout history god choosing the foolish things the weak things to display his strength his wisdom Um, and may that be true of us too therefore as is written let the one who boasts boast in the lord yeah well let's pray guys Father, we thank you so much just for the few moments to to come to the letter written to the Corinthians. Um, we thank you so much um, how, how you have found us, how you have saved us, how you have brought us in and rescued us. And so, Father, we, if we have anything to boast in, it is only in you. And so we thank you so much for, for the gracious work you've done through Christ Jesus. Um, we do ask that we as your church will be found humble, that we would be found unified, and that we wouldn't um, be so noisy about, about the guys we follow, but maybe be a little, really noisy about this one guy named Jesus. And may he be the one we speak of most. May he be the one that we cling to and look to most. And so, Father, we know that's only a work that you can do in us. And so we ask that you would, that you'd be gracious to uh, continue that work of sanctifying us of making us holy and of making us look more and more like jesus we pray this all in his name amen Amen.